Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you for another week of being on the radio, telling you what's on my mind and perhaps telling you some things you don't know. Many of you probably do know we're now in February, and February is Black History Month, where we acknowledge the greatness of those who've come before us. We show that history is being made every day, not just by young people or old people. The collective wisdom, power, and influence of people will hopefully encourage you to continue pursuing your dreams at any age. Some African Americans have a long list of things they've already done, but others don't come into bloom until after the age that most people are supposed to have made it. The point is, keep pushing. Black history, African American history is being made every day of the week. Now, a lot of things have been happening that I want to comment on. The first one is on a Tuesday, the 5th of February, President Donald Trump gave his State of the Union message. I didn't watch much of it. It was somewhat lackluster, and some of the same old things we've heard before, many of them falsehoods and lies about invaders of our country coming from South America, brown people taking us over, wanting to kill us, and those kinds of things. But the bright spot was that there was a response, a democratic response to Donald Trump's State of the Union. It was done by Stacey Abrams. She delivered a sharp rebuke to President Trump in the official democratic response of the State of the Union address. She castigated Trump and the GOP over immigration, voting rights, health care, and the economy in a preview of the battle line that could shape the 2020 presidential election. Many of you know that Abrams is the first African-American woman to have the uh, official rebuttal of the State of the Union. And uh, in her rebuttal, she said that the government shut down by Mr. Trump was a stunt. She dismissed the critique by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of a, a proposed voting overhaul from Democrats. And she accused the GOP of disregarding or failing to understand average Americans. She said America is made stronger by the presence of immigrants, not walls. She had a 11-minute speech and she sought to sharpen the distinction between Democrats and Republicans in this country. Ms. Abrams is a former state legislative leader in Georgia, and uh, I think she did a good job in her speech. I saw more of her speech than that of the president's. In 2018, President Trump backed a Republican Brian Kemp for governor of Georgia. He narrowly defeated Miss Abrams, Trump said last week that he expect, expected and hoped that she would do a good job in her address. 
Many Democrats are hoping that Ms. Abrams will challenge Senator David Perdue in 2020 to be the next senator from the state of Georgia. I don't know that that'll happen. I know she wants to be governor, but who knows? Maybe she will take on the Senate. Stay tuned. Now, speaking of governors, I guess all of you have heard now about the governor of Virginia. He refuses to resign from him office after racist images surface. This all started last Friday, the first day of February. Images surfaced of Virginia Democratic Governor Ralph Northam's medical school yearbook page from 1984, which contained a photograph of two unidentified men, one in blackface and the other in a Ku Klux Klan costume. There have been calls to resign, but the governor refuses to do so. On Friday, he released a statement and said, I'm deeply sorry for the decision I made in this photo for the hurt that decision caused then and now. This behavior is not keeping with who I am today and the values I fought for throughout my career in the military, in medicine, and in public service. He is a doctor. But I want to be clear. I understand how this decision shakes Virginians' faith in that commitment. Now, the next day, Saturday the 2nd, he said it was not him in either of these pictures of the person in blackface or the person in the Ku Klux Clown Ku Klux Klan costume. They are Ku Klux Clowns, I'll tell you that. But uh, it's all been sort of up in the air. He says he doesn't want to step down. Many Democrats are saying that he should. There have been several calls to resign. Senator Kamala Harris wrote on Twitter, quote, leaders are called to a higher standard and the stain of racism should have no place in the halls of government. The governor of Virginia should step aside so the public can heal and move forward. Now, as if he wasn't in enough trouble, he said he was not in the picture in the yearbook. He said he never bought the yearbook, and he only saw the picture when it was exposed by a right-wing conservative blog. However, he went on to say on Saturday that he did put some black shoe polish on his face in 1984 after he had graduated he was at a party and he put on a skit about Michael Jackson he did the moonwalk he wore the glove and he pretended he was Michael Jackson he won the contest he told us now I don't know where all of this is going but it seems sort of crazy there is pressure for Mr. or Governor Northam to resign, and if he does, Justin Fairfax, the lieutenant governor, will become governor, which would make him Virginia's second black governor in that state. But now he's embroiled in a little program or problem with supposedly a woman who he assaulted in 2007, I think it was, and he says this was a sexual matter, it was consensual, and there was nothing wrong with it. We will see what happens. Myself, I don't think that the governor should step down right now. The legislature in the state of Virginia 
is in their legislative um, time. They will be in um, service from, I think, the 1st of February through the 22nd of February. He was duly elected by the people of Virginia. He should be able to stay through the legislative session of this year. I don't know why they have to rush if he is going to step down. I hope that he doesn't. I don't care for blackface. I certainly don't care for Ku Klux Klan pictures in a yearbook. But maybe this was a mistake. Maybe. He says that he's done a lot of good things for African Americans since that time. That's true. That's been... uh shown. But the problem with blackface, and I have to remind people of this, why is it a bad thing? Because it's demeaning to African Americans. The whole blackface minstrel show aspect started way back in the 1820s and 1830s, where white men put blackface on and did skits and sang songs supposedly being African-Americans who were slow, dumb, thieves, and reprobates. Blackface has should have no place in our society today, but it's still gone on for many years. It is demeaning to African-Americans the white minstrels who did this, they would perform in blackface and then they could wipe it off and become white again. But it's not a very good thing to do right now. We will see what happens. We'll see if the Virginia governor steps down. We will see if Justin Fairfax, the lieutenant governor, will become governor. Now, his name is Justin Fairfax. I just want you to know that George Washington, George Washington's wife, was from the Fairfax family. There was a Fairfax plantation in Virginia. Mr. Justin Fairfax is a descendant of slaves that worked on that plantation. It was his great, great, great grandfather. Justin Fairfax became the vice lieutenant or the lieutenant governor just this year. And uh, at his swearing in, he had in his pocket the writ of manumission that freed his great, great, great grandfather from slavery. He had it in his pocket as he was sworn in. This document has gone down through the family. His father gave it to him, whose father had given it to him, so forth and so forth. So there's a lot of history here. But we will see. Is there other things I want to talk about? Well, of course. Can't get away. I told you last week that Juicy Smollett was attacked in Chicago. Smollett Smollett spoke publicly for the first time since he was attacked last week. He's out of the hospital. He says, let me start by saying that I'm okay. 
He went on to say, my body is strong, but my soul is stronger. He's an he's an actor from the TV program Empire. And this statement comes a day after his family condemned of the reported attack as a racial and homophobic hate crime. Smollett added that he is thankful for the support he's received in recent days. There's been an outpouring of love and support from my village that uh, will truly put into the record books or be put into the record books. Smollett goes on to say, I'm working with authorities and have been 100% factual and consistent on every level. Despite my frustrations and deep concerns about inaccuracies and misrepresentations that have been spread, I still believe that justice will be served. The actor continued. Chicago police are investigating the alleged assault against Smollett, who is black and openly gay, as a possible hate crime. According to police, Smollett was attacked about 2 a.m. on Tuesday, a lot before Tuesday, before this last Tuesday, by two unknown offenders who called or yelled, rather, racial and homophobic slurs down on Smollett before beating him up. They broke one of his ribs. They sent him to the hospital. He was able to drive himself to the hospital. He told police that one attacker was about five foot six and uh, about 170 pounds. He thought they covered their both their faces were covered, but they wore caps that had the Make America Again logo on them. Now, a congressman from Chicago says the reported result, the reported assault rather, has drawn widespread attention and condemnation. He wrote a letter to the FBI director writing that he was disturbed by the reports and was requesting a hate crime investigation. This congressperson is Representative Bobby L. Rush from Illinois, Chicago, Illinois. Smollett, who's 35 years old, came or comes from a family of advocates and actors. As a child, he and his five siblings co-starred in the uh, short-lived ABC sitcom On Our Own. Smollett and his sister, who's also an actress, Journey Smollett Bell, also appeared in what's called Friday Nights and Underground. Those were two popular TV programs. They've both been involved in causes such as IV, HIV AIDS prevention and the push to append, attend, the push to end apartheid and the Black Lives Matter movement. We wish him well. He seems to be healing. I hope they find the people who did this to him. You may have heard that this past week, beginning of Black History Month, that Senator Cory Booker has announced his presidential run. Of course, he joins a slew of Democrats who are also vying for the Democratic nomination, including Julian Castro, former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Kristen Gillibrand, Senator from New York, Kamala Harris, a Senator from California, and Tulsi Gabbard, a representative from the House of Representatives from Hawaii's 2nd District, and finally John Delaney, a former representative from Maryland's 6th District. 
Senator Booker, who was elected to the Senate in 2013, developed a reputation while mayor of Newark, New Jersey, as a champion of the people. Once responding in person to a Twitter request to shovel an elderly man's driveway. Another time, saving a woman in a house on fire. And once even helping a constituent propose to his girlfriend. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Cory Booker was born in Maryland and raised in New Jersey. His parents, Carolyn and Carrie, passed away. But uh, they were African Americans who worked, both of them, as executives in the ranks of the IBM Corporation. Mr. Booker has an older brother by the name of Kerry. Isn't that nice? Kerry and Corey. Booker played football in high school and in college. His college was Stanford University, where he earned a bachelor's degree in political science and a master of arts in sociology. He's also a Rhodes Scholar who ultimately earned a law degree from Yale Law School. Booker's political history includes being both the mayor and a city councilman in Newark and now the junior senator from New Jersey. He started his and announced his presidential one on the Tom Jorna morning show. <laughs> well, that's pretty much much of the information I want to give you. I don't know if you heard the one um, about the Detroit policeman who forced a young black woman to walk in freezing cold. It's been all over the news and the Internet. Story is that to no one's surprise, the officer involved, Gary Steele, has a history of domestic violence and was even arrested in 2008. He is white. He's a Detroit police officer. He's now under internal investigation after a Snapchat video got leaked of him forcing a young black woman to walk in the freezing cold with the captions, quote, what black girls magic look like, looks like, end quote. Now, I don't know what all of this means. The story that comes from the news department of uh, WXYZ in Detroit says that on Tuesday night, Corporal Gary Steele pulled over Ariel Moore, 24, for having expired plates. He then instructed her to get out of her car and walk in the sub-zero temperatures. As she walked the one block to her home, he recorded it. And in the video, you can hear him telling more, bye-bye, Felicia. I don't know what that means. She's, her name is not Felicia. Now, her mother, that is Ariel Moore's mother, said what this police officer did was racist. Ariel herself said, I've never had this happen to me in my life. I'm really kind of shocked. I don't know how I feel right now. I'm still trying to take it all in. As I said, that Officer Steele has been on the police department in Detroit. He's an 18-year veteran of the force. He's been placed on administrative leave and demoted from his rank. In a press conference, Detroit Police Chief James Craig stressed that he is incredibly angry about Officer Steele's actions. I am angry, he said, adding, I'm angry because... This was racially insensitive. What makes the matter even worse is that Steele has a history of domestic violence, firing his gun at his ex-girlfriend, and was even arrested in 2008, yet he still held on to his shield. I think it may be time for Officer Steele 
to go. You don't treat people like this. You remember the cold weather we had, the polar vortex coming out of the Arctic, sub sub-zero temperatures, and he makes his poor young lady walk to her house. People shouldn't be out in that kind of cold. This is Birdsong. I've just got started. I've got a guest coming up that I think you'll like. Stick with us. There's more to come. This is Birdsong back with you. Thanks for sticking with us. Told you some news earlier. We have a guest coming up. His name is Dr. Patrick Rutherford. He has extensively researched our political system. He became so amazed by the emergence of Donald Trump, he wrote a critically acclaimed book called God and President Trump plus the rest of us. Dr. Rutherford, are you there? I am here, sir. Good to hear from you. Thank you for coming on with me. I've been reading your book. You've sent me a copy. Thank you so much. You are an outstanding writer. You write with elegance and grace, I tell you. Thank you. Now, what I want to know is you say that you think that God wanted Trump in the Oval Office. Tell us about that. God's will there is there is the permissive will and there's the intentional will. When people are bent on doing what they want to do, because it's given us a free of freedom of choice, it allows us but it allows us to do it so that we can learn a lesson. We are we are living in an age of skillful marketing. And oftentimes we go we whether it's this by telemarketing or through the store, we, we meet a product that is well-marketed and we buy it. And when yep. we get home, we ask ourselves, what am I going to do with this? And we learn from the experience. And I believe that God allowed uh, Trump to be in the White House, President Trump to be in the White House, to show Americans that that is not how he operates. He does not operate off fear and hate and anger and rage. That's not the kingdom of God. Well, we do have Mr. Trump in the office now, but you also go on to say that God may not want Donald Trump to serve two terms or even a full first term. Tell us about that. When it is left up to people now to decide, are we going to support the lies, the unkindness, and all that we are seeing going on there? Um, for another, for the rest of this term or for another term. You know, now looking, looking at it, uh, those who, who might be responsible on the, uh, Democratic side may not, may not want to try to impeach him, impeach him so that he, they may allow him to run out the, 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 the term because they see him as a losing candidate to fight against in 2020. So he may actually last until 2020 because they have so much dirt on him to be able to make sure that he loses and they get a, a Democrat in the House, uh, in, the, in the White House for the next term. But, mm-hmm. you know, we will see what happens when the Mueller report comes out and how that affects the, 
the thinking of the people before 2020. Well, I, I'm going to ask you some more questions now. I also want to make sure that you say you were born in Jamaica, but you've lived in the United States since you were young, quite young. Are you a theologian? Yes, I am. That's what I thought. You write like a theologian. I used to be a philosophy major in college, so I've read a, oh, quite okay. a bit of theology, and I'm very impressed with your writing. Thank now, you. what I want to ask you, well, I want to tell people that I know you did not vote for Trump, even though you wrote this book. Why didn't you vote for him? <laughs> <laughs> as, 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 um, as a foreign-born person and understanding the feelings that one gets when co one comes to a new country that is not the original home and place, you, you, you're looking for a sense of belonging, a sense of acceptance. It affects your psyche. It affects your sense of well-being. Your, your self-esteem is affected by how people treat you um, in, in these settings. And, um, and there are times I struggled. Uh, we call it culture shock uh, when I first came to this country. And um, when I heard the statements that uh, President Trump used about people who come across the border, about certain countries, Africa and Haiti, um, it made it, something inside of me move with horror at the thought of what people who, have, who are coming to this country, how unwelcoming that kind of a statement is. How it even in some people who are not even um, illegal will spark fear. Am I not welcomed here? So yeah. rather than liberating the spirit so that people can become productive and feel free to contribute to the country is creating fear. He is spreading fear. You're absolutely right. That's part of his his mantra. He wants to make everyone afraid, and that's why, and he distracts people from his other problems because of this. Yeah. What do you think about his opinion to build a border wall? Um. You know, the, the, the record has come, has come out, so many people have commented on it, that it, it, was, it was just, an, uh, a, again, a marketing ploy. They needed something <laughs> to give him. This campaign wanted something to give him that would attract people's attention. He knew that there were some people who were concerned about immigration, about the amount of people uh, coming into this country. Um, and, and so Build a Wall became a slogan. A, and, a let, nice and let Mexico slogan. pay for it. And, and everybody, anybody with sense knew that that was impossible. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you swallowed that, I have, I have a piece of land in, in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> that you're ready to sell, huh? <laughs> I'm ready to sell, man. I mean, get Mexico to pay for it and you're disparaging its people? As a matter of fact, he, 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 a lot of people don't understand the relationship between Mexico and the United States because so much, a lot of people don't go into history. As far as Mexico is concerned, a lot of Mexicans think that the southern half of the United States belonged to them. Yes, and because it did them. for a long time. <laughs> okay, and so as far as they're concerned, we're just coming back to get what belongs to us. Yep, 
That's right. So, so, for, so to, to think that people with that mentality are going to, you know, put up money, hard-earned money that they need to spend on the development of their own country to build a wall to block them out of a country that they, be, they think belongs to them is ludicrous. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Well, you know, back in 1846, after the Mexican-American War, we paid Mexico $22 million for what is now all the land west of the Pecos River in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California, and I think part of Oregon. And uh, we paid for it fair and square. We supposedly won the war. And in 1849, they discovered gold in California. <laughs> and the Mexicans realized they had been duped. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But now, you know, I, I, um, like I told you, I'd been a philosophy major. I don't know a lot as much as you do as a theological theologian. But you've talked about a number of people from the Bible the Old Testament particularly, and are these stories, and I'll name a couple that you've talked about, are they supposed to tell us what might happen to President Trump? The first one is Saul and David. Now, everyone yeah. may not know the story, and I don't want you to go into a whole lot of it, but if you can give us what happened between Saul and David in Israel long ago. Okay. The people of Israel were being led by God. He used judges and prophets to guide them. They said, we want a king. The prophet Samuel warned them and said, if you ask for a king, you're asking for somebody who's going to send your sons to war, going to have you in servitude. They said, we want a king. So God gave them the king they were looking for in Saul. Tall, handsome guy. I mean, just just like the other kings around, of the other nations around them. He gave them what they asked for, but not what they needed. They needed to trust (laughs) him and to walk with him. And Saul turned out to be a madman. He turned out that he he wanted to destroy anybody who wasn't a yes man to him. Uh And David, David, who was his servant, who did a tremendous amount of good for him, because he saw David as a threat to, 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 the, to the kingdom that his son wouldn't get to David, might, might become king because he was such a skillful warrior. He decided he was going to kill David. But God protected David and taught David and groomed him so that when Saul died, David became king. And, right. and, the, and the, the leadership of David made a significant difference in the country, both, not just militarily, but spiritually, because David was a man after God's own heart. He, was, he had his human frailties, he made his mistakes, but you read the Psalms and you, you see in there the depth and pathos of a man who through all his struggles had God as first and center of his life. So you think that, can we draw inferences that Mr. Trump may be like Saul? That's the idea. All right. What about, and we won't go deeply into this, Nebuchadnezzar versus Cyrus. So even among people who are not God-fearing the way we look at people as God-fearing, you have people who God will use to punish those who are who are doing wickedly. And that's what he did with Nebuchadnezzar. But he still tried to reach out to him to transform him, but he, 
he, he just was a stubborn guy. He's the um, fellow who threw the, the uh, Israelites in the fiery furnace, right? That's right. God protected them. He, he, wa- he wanted them to bow down and worship the image to himself. Um, emperor worship was, was always a problem in human society. People get so powerful that they want everybody to bow down to them. You don't do it, I kill you. It, it, um, it, it, it's, it's the epitome of narcissism. A narcissist, the only thing you can do for a narcissist that will ultimately please him is to worship him. You sell your soul at his altar. He will do everything nasty to you that he feels like, but you must worship him because mm-hmm. he, he, he is ultimately the person that he thinks is God. But and, didn't and Nebuchadnezzar go crazy? God humbled him. God humbled him, uh, and he got a disease that is, is documented there as a real mental health disease. It's a disease in which a person sees themselves as an animal. They eat grass, they sleep outside, they, um, they take on that motif of an animal, of a cow or an ox, if you might call it. And, um, and then, you know, God rose him up and he humbled himself. Mm-hmm. And, re- and was restored. So, so right. part, part of the power of the book is to, is to let people know that ultimately God runs the universe. And, um, and people may think that evil is winning and they have to play the evil hand to get ahead. But evil destroys itself. Eventually, evil always... Dis- unfortunate thing is that in the process of destroying itself, it destroys a lot of innocent people. Right. And, the, and the role, the role of, of civil society, of the Christian faith, and of those who fear God, is to protect innocence, to stand in the gap between the oppressor and the oppressed, not to join in the bandwagon of labeling innocent people as, as if they were enemies and things to be thrown to the wolf and to be barred from opportunity but to open the door that innocence is protected. That's yeah. well spoken. The last person is, you talked about humility. Many of us don't remember that Moses had to be humbled before he could get the Israelites out of Egypt. Isn't that right? Forty years in the wilderness, minding sheep. Yep. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, he, he, he was trained, um, According to what what we would what we would look at today as the political systems of of modern life, uh, uh, how to be a good general, how to manipulate the world in a way that you can rule them, and um, and he tried to use his method to help Israel. And God said, No, 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 no. Uh, I'm going to teach you because the way you're going to deliver people is to humble yourself before me and let me lead the way in delivering my people. And so he went out in the wilderness, and he was humbled by the process, and he was not ready to be a leader. A leader is not someone who drives people. That's a ruler, that's a despot, that's a dictator. A leader points the way, a better way, and is humble and loving and kind to the people that he is trying to, to, to inspire to follow the path that he's leading them to. And would you say that and is not our president, Donald Trump? Lord have mercy. No, 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 no. 
<laughs> All right, then. Well, you know, again, you wrote a wonderful book. It is, is it in bookstores? Or is it on Amazon.com? It's on Amazon. It's um, Barnes & Noble. Uh, Good. It's available there, yes. My website is GodandTrumpBook.com. The book is God and President Trump plus the rest of us. A good read. Well, yes. Dr. Rutherford, uh, one last question. You said you were, or I know you were born in Jamaica. You came to the United States as a youth. How young were you when you came to the United States? Oh, I, I, I was in my 20s, actually. Okay. When I came. And did you come yeah. to do some study? I came to study. Uh, I did my master's degree in healthcare administration and, um, and worked here for a while. I uh, went back and contributed, and I'm back here uh, trying to contribute again. Well, good for you. It's wonderful yes. talking to you, okay? Thank you so A much pleasure. for coming God, on. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. This is Birdsong, folks. I've had a wonderful time speaking with Dr. Patrick Rutherford about his book, God and President Trump Plus the Rest of Us. It's well-written. Makes you think. Stick with us. There's more. Hello, folks. Birdsong back with you. We just finished talking with Dr. Patrick Rutherford about his new book that's out, God and President Trump plus the rest of us. It makes you think. We have some dumb criminal law stories. As usual, the first one today comes from Massachusetts. The headline says, Bad Bumper Sticker. A woman allegedly rammed her car into another vehicle because her car had a Donald Trump bumper sticker. A bumper sticker. Chloe Wright, 25, tooted her horn repeatedly at the driver. When he came to her window to ask what was wrong, she called him a racist for voting for Trump. The man said, Wright now faces charges of assault with a dangerous weapon, the car, vandalizing property, hitting his car, and leaving the scene of property damage, driving away from his car. <laughs> Bad bumper sticker, huh? Our next story is from Mexico. The headline says, Half-Baked Scheme. We learned that a Mexican police dog, no, we learned that Mexican police dogs were able to sniff out, what, $270,000 worth of cocaine in baggies hidden in 15 baked bread rolls at the Guadalajara International Airport, authorities say. Police are still looking for the smugglers, but I tell you, that's a lot of bread <laughs> and a lot of coke, huh? Michigan. 80-year-old goes to jail, says the headline. She wanted to light up without getting tossed in the joint. Her name, Dolores Saltzman of Lake George, Michigan. She smokes cannabis to help her with cope with her arthritis and intestinal pain. However, she was sent to jail overnight because her medical marijuana card had expired. Mrs. Saltzman said a deputy came to her home to return a lost cell phone. He smelled marijuana in her house and searched the house until he found her small personal stash of marijuana. She did go to jail overnight, and as I understand, she got her new medical marijuana card so she doesn't have to worry anymore. Here's a nice little story from Minnesota. All these stories are true, folks. I don't make them up. Headline, Beer to the Rescue. 
We learned that a trucker talked a suicidal man down from a highway overpass by offering him a case of beer and a chance to vent. Kwame Anderson was driving his beer truck when he spotted a troubled fellow poised to jump into a traffic or into the traffic on Interstate 94 in St. Paul, Minnesota. Anderson pulled over and offered the fellow food and money, but the man refused. However, when he invited the jumper to talk about his trouble, trouble over beer from his truck, the fellow climbed down and did not commit suicide like he had thought he should. Good story. Montana. Yes, she sure had a busy day, says the headline. It's been reported that Kaylee Berry, 22, of Butte, Montana, allegedly stole five vehicles, a Dodge Ram, a Pontiac Grand Am, a Ford Ranger, a Toyota Sequoia, and a GMC pickup with a dog inside, all in one day. She was charged with five felony counts of theft and one felony count of burglary in July of this past year. What a spree. All that in one day. A story from Ohio. The headline reads, What the Flock? We learned that more than 600 birds were removed from an Ohio home following reports of animal neglect in the summer of 2018. The American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals says the birds, including parakeets, cockatiels, cockatoos, finches, and macaws, were living in highly overcrowded conditions in the Columbus home. Can you imagine that? 600 birds in your house? My God. Ugh. Here's a story from Oklahoma. Headline says, made himself at home, but not his home. An Oklahoma City apartment intruder, an Oklahoma, start again. An Oklahoma City apartment intruder made himself right at home, taking a bath, disrobing and getting into bed. The owner said the burglar, quote, ate food in the fridge, drank about six bottles of water, had a can of beer and ate almonds, end quote. The invader, believed to be homeless, even did his laundry before he was arrested. <laughs> Here's one from Oregon. The headline, Yo-Ho-Ho and a Bottle of Rum. A thief wearing a pirate mask was caught on camera robbing a bar. The bandit slipped through a back door at the last lap in town of uh, the town of Cornelius. He snatched $4,000 from a safe. And police are using surveillance footage to track him down. No arrests yet. He was wearing a pirate mask. I'm not sure the symbolism, but it may be good. Tennessee. Half-baked weapon, says the headline. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Tumerlin, 45, of Nashville, came so engaged. Nope, let's start again. Jeffrey Tomerlin, 45, of Nashville, became so enraged at the sight of his ex-girlfriend in a car with her new boyfriend, struck her in the face with a biscuit. Tomerlin also punched the car hood and threatened to kill the couple. Yes, he was arrested and charged with public intoxication, vandalism, and assault. Who knew? <laughs> Finally, last story for this week. Comes to us from Texas. The headline, he pulled out his manhood and she pulled out her pistol. A 69-year-old Houston woman said she warned a deranged man 
for pleasuring himself on her front porch. He said, she said, don't enter my home. When he didn't listen, she pulled out her pistol, shot the 38-year-old man in the chest. He didn't come in her home. We learned the man underwent surgery and is expected to survive. He was on her porch pleasuring himself and wanted to come in. Well, those are dumb criminal law stories. They're all true. All of them come from this past summer, 2018. These stories never end. All right, folks, I have some riddles. I've got three of them here. They're not hard. Listen, I'll give you the answers at the end of the show if you can't remember, if you can't get them. The first one, first riddle, what rhymes with orange? What rhymes with orange? Second riddle, where can you find an ocean with no water in it? Third riddle, if you sleep or if you take a nap in a fireplace, what happens? If you take a nap in a fireplace, what happens? Those are our three riddles. We'll come back at the end and talk to you about them, give you the answers. Song back with you. Had a good show today, I think. I've enjoyed it. I want to give you the answers to the riddles if you haven't gotten them. First riddle. What rhymes with orange? What rhymes with orange? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Almost nothing rhymes with orange. Second, where can you find an ocean with no water in it? Where can you find an ocean with no water in it? Well, the answer is on a map. How about that? <laughs> Third and final ribbon, final riddle. If you take a nap in the fireplace, what happens? If you take a nap in a fireplace, you have slept like a log. <laughs> All right, those are your riddles. This is Birdsong. I've had fun with you today. Be back with you next week. We're going to talk about some stuff that might help you out. Stick with us. I'm out. Bye-bye. <laughs>